About two-thirds of the way down the tumbling series of islands that make up the West Indies, you'll find St Lucia. It's a naturally beautiful, captivating island paradise, and the locals don't lie when they tell you that their unique blend of arts, culture, adventure, food and long-standing traditions will enchant you and keep you coming back time after time. I'm John Holmes, and in this travel documentary podcast series, we, by which I mean myself and the travel writer Antonia Windsor, will be your guides to all things St Lucian. We're calling this episode Culinary Delights, which is code for St Lucia has some of the best food you'll ever eat. It's another glorious morning in St Lucia, and we've come to Labrie to see where all those delicious catches of the day that we see chalked up in the island restaurants actually come from. But before we speak to a fisherman, I think we should just take a moment to listen to the sound stuck around my arm. of John struggling with the net. He's going to be ages tangled in that. And I was. This is the food and drink ep, as the kids might say. St Lucia is rightly proud of her produce, so we've filled this podcast, and I'll be honest, our bellies, on fish, spiced rum, exotic fruit, veg, and the unique herbs and spices that flavour this entire island, rich as it is in volcanic soil. We'll also be making chocolate in the kind of paradise that Willy Wonka himself could only dream about. But first, Antonia got chatting to the locals. How long have you been fishing? I've been fishing from... Well, my father was a fisherman. From when I was 13 years, I used to go out with my father. Up to this very moment, I've been involved in fishing. Uh, and you love it? Do you love it out on the water? Yeah. Fishing is a pleasure. The good thing about fishing, right, is both a living and sports. Oh, that was like trying to untangle Christmas tree lights, but where the Christmas tree lights are all wet and smell of fish. <laughs> Go and jump in the sea and get rid of that smell. <laughs> what kind of fish uh, do you normally bring in on a daily basis? What's the variety? During the peak season, it's mostly tuna, dolphin or dorado, a kingfish. Yes. That's what we bring in. And that's what gets served in the restaurants here? Restaurants, hotels and all. Yes. Uh, do you have a restaurant that you sell to regularly? Normally sell to the market. The market and... Right. We've come to Castries to go to the market and we've met up with John Emmanuel who's going to show us around. Hi John. Hi, how are you? Really good. You've lived in St Lucia, what, all your life? All of my life, all of my life. It's, it's, it's paradise, it's the best place to be, but where we are right now in terms of the Castries market, it takes on a life of its own. I, I can't wait to show you all of the intricacies of the Castries market. And is this where you do your own shopping? Yes, I come every Saturday to get my provisions. I, I, I buy a lot of cucumbers, a lot of tomatoes, fresh fruits. This is the best place to do it. It's better than buying it at the supermarket because most times you, you, you get a better deal on it. They tend to be a bit cheaper if you buy it right here at the market and you're always guaranteed that you're getting the freshest produce because the vendors are taking it straight from their homes and coming right here. And most for most of them, they want to make sure they sell all what they have in one day so there's no refrigeration. If they come tomorrow, it's another fresh set of produce. So for me, it's key to buy my produce right here at the Castries Market. And John's going to take us to his favourite stall holders. Absolutely. I have a couple of people that I always shop from. They'll be delighted to see you guys.
my name is Patricia Edman. I'm a vendor at the market, but they call me Tigel. Everybody knows me as Tigel. I sell cucumbers, I sell avocado, I sell purples, I sell breadfruit, plantain, I sell spice. Oh, and that's the cocoa sticks. Yes, I, I do cocoa stick too. I did a cocoa stick in powder, and I do the cocoa stick. And that, can you tell us what we do with a cocoa stick? How do we make it into a drink? The cocoa stick, you, you, the great ones are really great. You pour it, you put your cinnamon, you put your star anise, you put your clove, you put your nutmeg, and then you, you let it boil, and then you put your milk, so it's a little thick. You put your milk, and then you drink it. And can you taste the chocolate in it, or just the spices? No, it is the chocolate itself. Yeah. So what's this uh, fruit that looks like pear? It's golden apple. Oh, what, what does it taste like? It's a very nice fruit. When it's ripe and when it's green, it's very nice. How much? Do I have to buy them in, like... 10 or something. Can I just buy one? You could only buy one. One, a dollar for one. A dollar for one. Okay, lovely. Thank you. These, are these coconuts for like drinking? Yeah. Oh, great. Can we, how much? I'll chop for you open and you'll eat it. Okay. okay. That is a sharp inch. Yeah, so this coconut is not like, you normally see them sort of brown and husky, but this is quite green. And so what's the difference between the brown ones and that these one green ones? That inside and it's hard. Ah, but that okay. one, you can eat it, you can still eat that one. Yeah, yeah but, but so this is uh, soft this is inside. It's a young one. older. Ah, right. Okay, I've never seen one like this, the green one. Um, I'm going to try it. Hang on. Mm, it's really sweet. It's lovely. Yeah, do you want to try it? yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. Yeah. And and how much is this? That's two dollars. Two dollars. Two dollars. If you bought a a, a, a carton of coconut milk at home, it'd <laughs> be about five pounds. It's not very elegant to drink. You don't want anyone looking. You're, at you ne- to you're do never it. very elegant when you drink. If I'm honest. All right, this has made me feel very hungry now, John. So you're a local. You're the mm-hmm. expert. Where do you recommend we go for some food? Well, absolutely. All of the produce we saw here is in a raw state. We can't really eat it like that. You will be amazed at what it what happens in the end. How it is that, you know, cooks on St. Lucia take that raw produce and turn out some wonderful dishes. I recommend Golden Taste in Groselet. It's a, it's a nice quintal bar right off the road. The food is authentic and it is simply out of this world. All right. Let's we're do, go there. We're doing it. Let's go. My name is Catherine, Catherine Centros. Um, I'm a chef inside here. And usually what we do here is mostly locally food. And everybody loves it. <laughs> I can see someone here eating a fish with lots of sides. Lots of sides. Yes, what yes. sides do you um, Green fig salad. The green fig salad, when you boil it, you boil it with the skin with some salt, with water on your stove. Then you take it out, you peel it. And then you chop it pieces, pieces, and then you saute your saltfish with your sizzling, and then you mix it together, and then you mix some mayo with it, a little sugar, a little black pepper, and then you mix all together and you have your green fig salad. So everything's locally sourced, everything's from the, up from the island? Yes, yes. We get it from the local market. 
we have somebody bringing it for us from the countryside, maybe like maybe Sofre or Beaufort, and they come down, they bring it for us, and my boss take it and bring it here. <laughs> this is tuna fish. We're grilling some tuna fish at the moment. Is that fish smell coming from the pan, or is that you, John? I had a shower. <laughs> we have fish; it varies seasonally. Like sometimes we have dorado, sometimes we have the yellowfin tuna. And how long, how long is it from when the fish get brought out of the sea till um, we get it on to, the plate? Okay. Um, to, sometimes it depends. Sometimes two hours. It depends. It depends. Sometimes they'll call me right away. There's a catch. And then sometimes I drive half an hour all the way down to Denry to get that fish to bring here. Delicious. I think we've earned um, a cold piton. They're bringing us fresh fish. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, this plate looks great. It's a plate of home-cooked food. You've got a bit of mac and cheese, a bit of this green fig that she was talking about, some broccoli, some carrots, a bit of salad, and um, some fish, which I don't know what kind it is, but let's taste it. Wow, it's delicious. Mm. <laughs> this is a vinaigrette for your salad. This is a sweet onion salad dressing as well. And this is hot sauce. It's local hot sauce. <laughs> So this this fish might have been caught by the fisherman we were speaking to earlier. It's certainly like no longer than two hours old. She was saying that uh, fish gets bought and cooked very quickly. Squeeze some lime on it, I think. It's really authentic solution cuisine in a really authentic restaurant full of local patois being spoken around us and. Can't join in. I'm eating too much tuna. Got to try some of that hot sauce. That. Is that the one she said yeah. was her main? Yeah. So. But it's quite yellow, isn't it? I always expect hot sauce to be like red, but this is kind no, of. No, it just like, it like just turns your insides red almost instantly. <laughs> Go on. Oh. Takes a oh. No, <laughs> too hot for me. Where's the piton? Oh, John, you're so cruel. You should have warned me. It was. Oh, I put too much on. Ow. Although those pitons were very welcome to take the edge off the pepper sauce, the local beer is not the only alcohol you can find on the island. Think Caribbean, think rum, and St Lucia's distilleries produce some of the best in the world. Want to know more about the history and production of a pirate's favourite tipple? Head to St Lucia Distillers, where they make the famous chairman's rum. Don't take my word for it, as our friend John Emmanuel told us. But you know, guys, you cannot come to St. Lucia without sampling the local rums. We've got some excellent rums. You've got to try them. Welcome to the Rhythm of Rum Distillery Tour. Huh? My name is Carl, and my task is to give you as much information about the rum making process as possible. When you go to a hotel, the first choice drink has a welcoming drink. It's called Rum Punch. Rum Punch is a combination of fruit juices and strong rum. Locally, we have a tradition we call spice rum making. So we take all the various spices from the jungle, inclusive of those that are potent in nature. You put it to soak in the white rum, you drink this a year or two later, and it's like Viagra in a bottle. We have one rum we do not age. It comes from this still, 
and we have it at 80% alcohol, is known as Den Ross. But it is our best seller, simply because of the diversity or the variety of uses. Consider it medicinal. If there's any mucus on your chest, what we call the common cold, you take this strong rum, you put it in a glass, squeeze some lemon in, add some honey, and it will get rid of the mucus. So to consider this medicine. Did you say it's called Diana Ross? No, I said it's called Den Ross, not Diana Ross. <laughs> this is where the tasting happens. That's where the tasting happens. We have basically 17 of the primary products there. Some of them infused with additives and some of them are just rums. Yeah. So the bottom line is you sample, you taste, you like, you go in the rum shop, you purchase, and you move on. Good. And this is the rum, which I did mention, 80% alcohol. If you're going to sample it, take it in small doses. That's, right? uh, that's Diana Ross. Right? And Diana that's Ross. <laughs> yeah, or 80% alcohol. US proof, right? So help yourself you if are, you need to. You are going to have to go and try, to try that. So that's... What? The, yeah. No, you're, you're the... Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 you're going to do that. No. One small sip for the experience. Don't panic. Listen carefully. There's something in life worth doing once. Wait a while. Now, don't sip it. Throw it back. You do realise I've got to walk around a chocolate plantation later. Yeah, just throw it back. Oh my God! <laughs> it's manageable. It's paint stripper. Throw it back. Yes, good. It's actually burning all the way down <laughs> my esophagus. Now this is the second one, which is what I call a uh, uh, lime liquor. Ideal with Sprite or 7-Up, but again about 25%. So these are both manageable. Right. There's even a bottle of hand sanitizer to drink when you get fed up with rum. <laughs> ah. So this is the Chairman's Reserve finest St. Lucia Spiced original. Um, so this is what he was talking about where they put some barks and spices and fruits in the rum. It smells, it smells a little bit Christmassy. Yeah, that's very nice. Very good for a, a winter... Party. It's like an alternative to mulled wine. Yeah, your face has remained the same shape as normal. It hasn't contorted like it did a moment ago, so I'm guessing that one's palatable to you. Can you try it? Yeah, I'll try a little bit. This is the Chairman's Reserve, right? So. Oh, it smells of oranges, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, you're right, it does smell. It's, it, is, it is Christmas, yeah. Several rums in, Antonia found Ruth, another tour guide, and belatedly decided to find out what the rules were. Somebody comes on this tasting. How many tastings do they get? For can they have all entrance? of this rum? They can do whatever they want. They can it's do a whatever buffet, they want. Yes. This like is the best bar I've ever been to. We haven't got to do anything else at all today, have we? Oh, I've got to go to Hotel Chocolat. It's going to be awkward. Pace yourself, John. I hope after all that rum, you've still got the stomach to try some chocolate. Well, I think chocolate goes very well with rum. That's what I... Um, it just doesn't mind sticking to. <laughs> yeah, you could do a pairing, a rum and chocolate and pairing. Yeah. I'm sure someone's invented I'm also that. sticking to these very nice leather seats. That'll be the humidity. And we're going up to Hotel Chocolat. They, um, it's an English company. They have their own estate here and they grow their own solution beans. But I'm sure we'll find out when we get there. This is the hotel. That is an incredible view. I'm no expert, but it, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that's a piton. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, and I've just noticed there's a pool and uh, a free lounger, so I'm going to see you later. OK, whilst I leave John slacking, I'm going to find out how they grow chocolate here. I am Mobisa Tour Guide. 
in charge of tours at Hotel Chocolat Rabot Estate. So Mark, can you tell me a little bit about how, what the process is from, from seeing this pod here to getting it to be a chocolate bar? So when the pod, yellow, maturity, crack open, beans have been extracted, fermenting seven day period, depends on weather condition, seven to 21 days, those beans have been dried, then they've been manually sorted out, roasted in an oven, we know why it's going to extract the nib from the shell and then it's going to go into a conching machine mixed with the butter and the sugar for the 72 hour period. And then you're ready to go yeah. to make the chocolate. Mm -hmm. oh, fantastic. I am Method Methodius Fauché. I am the estate manager for the Rabot Estate Hotel Chocolat. So this big tarpaulin here with this mound of beans, are they here? Are they drying? Yes, these are, these are beans that are out for sunning, out for drying. Can I touch them? Yeah, definitely you can. Oh, they're quite hard, aren't they? Yeah, they are. We lay them thinly. You we do? lay them, yeah. We lay them very thin, very thinly so they get um, properly aired out and properly sunned out. We dry our beans to 97% moisture. So if, um, if we are to have seven good days of sunshine, these beans would be perfectly dried within seven days. Missan, where's Marshall? So this plastic is keeping them dry. Just to keep, keep the rain, keep the rain away. What is happening out here is wherever cocoa has been produced for chocolate making, your beans must be fermented. If you don't ferment your beans, you don't get good quality, good quality chocolate. So what happens here, those beans are being fermented. You will observe we have banana leaves. And those beans, they look very different to the ones we very saw Very different, right. This is because of, the, because of the ferment. It has gone, those that are drying has gone through the fermentation process, which changes the color. You will see out there, it's all whitish. Yeah, they're white and they're yeah. a bit pulpy. And, white and pulpy, that's right. So after the fermentation process, uh, come look, look, see the difference there. Ah, oh, they've already gone a bit brown. Yeah, they've there. already gone a bit, a bit, a bit brown. And is there, there a reason why you use banana leaves particularly? Not, no, not really, not really. That's all. That's all for the insula for insulation purposes. And just tradition. Just, just tradition, and insulation. Okay, so right now we are going to be heading up to the plantation house balcony which we where we are going to participate in this bean to bar activity where you're going to get to make your own bar of chocolate oh, I can't wait. Merle I see you've got a pestle here and uh, some is this cocoa beans in here cocoa nibs roasted cocoa nibs cocoa nibs mm -hmm. And what are we going to do with them? So we're going to transform our roasted cocoa nibs along with some cocoa butter and sugar to create a 65% dark chocolate. The less sugar, the higher the cocoa ah, percentage. I always thought it was milk. I always thought that's what changed the percentage. No, sugar, sugar. actually decreases ah. your chocolate's percentage. Okay, great. So how do, we, how do we do this? Now those nibs need to be transformed from this state into a paste because in those roasted nibs, they still contain at least 3% of fat. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to extract the fat which is located in these fermented and roasted beans, and then I'm going to add back nine grams of the butter. 
Okay. Okay, so I'm going to show you how it's been done. You have to go a bit aggressively because you need to get the paste like I said. Then it has become a paste. I'm going to add the butter. And then I'm going to be stirring. Oh, so that's now looking much more like chocolate. Yes. When you smooth. add the butter, it's going to get to the liquid stage. Now I'm going to add the sugar. So one teaspoon of sugar is going to take me down to about 80% because I started off with 100% dark chocolate. But it's interesting, there's no heating process going on here. This is just in a pestle and mortar. Just the pestle and mortar. The mortar has the heat already. So the heat along with the friction from the pestle is going to help get into this piece. Yeah, that looks like chocolate that you've melted in a bowl at, at home over some hot water. Can I put my finger under chocolate. there? Mmm. That actually tastes much more like dark chocolate than it looks. That's lovely. Eventually, after she'd eaten enough chocolate to put Augustus Gloop to shame, Antonia woke me from my rum slumber, whereupon I tried to sneak some chocolate away, but sadly it just melted in my back pocket and added top notes to the fish smell. Nice. <laughs> Chocolate's given you energy for the jump up. The, the what? Oh, you wait. It's like a massive street party. It's all about this morning's fresh fish fried on the barbecue. <laughs> You'll fit right in. So we've come to the fish fry at Grosillet. It's about nine o'clock at night, and there's a really good crowd here, mainly local people, sat at tables and chairs on the lawn, some music playing. Everyone's queuing at the barbecue where the fish that's been caught today is being grilled over coals. You've got lobster, local lobster, mai mai, some snapper. I don't think I was expecting such a, a family atmosphere to it. I, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting because I've never been to one before, but it's got a kind of... It's sort of carnival-esque, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's got a sort of really... Yeah, it's, like, it's like being at a festival. I know it gets a bit more hectic later, is that right? Yeah, I think if we move a couple of streets down, then the music is cranked up and people are dancing. Yeah, all right. So what do we do first? We eat it. We eat fish from moments ago first on the barbecue. I think that's and then the we idea. And then we go and dance it all off and swill it down with rum. Is that what we do? Yeah, you, you don't need the rum. I think you can get high on the atmosphere. Don't be ridiculous. Excuse me, what's the fish over there called? Blue marlin. Blue marlin? Blue marlin. Are you going to have something, John? Well, I can't decide. That, that's the best lobster I've ever seen, I think. It's enormous. Um, and just look at it, it's perfect. <laughs> Anyone for one lobster? You have to say now, John, otherwise forever Yeah, hold I need your a lobster. Piece. I need a lobster. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. No, that's great. How much? How much is that? All right. Okay, thank you. No, this looks amazing. Thanks very much. You going blue marlin? You're going blue marlin. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very loud in the centre of uh, Grocery Lake, and now we've come to the middle where everybody is just dancing in the streets to coin a phrase. 
just passed to go with a broken leg on a crutch. As a stop to dancing. we were at earlier it's transformed it's like completely packed with people sitting outside on the street i like what i like about it is the way that the, the, what is in the daytime as we saw earlier a sleepy little coastal town on a bay just turns into a massive party i mean what are we getting on for now we're getting it's not even midnight yet but we're getting on just after i can 11. see across there there's like massive um vats of local rum punch that they're serving by the glass Nice, aren't they? Made oh, of the well, African even, fabric. Well, even here, you're still looking for shopping and bags. You're supposed to be partying yeah, and drinking all of the craft. It's hard to avoid. There's lovely stalls of craft everywhere you go in St. Oh, Lucia. For goodness sake, you haven't got enough suitcases. Don't buy a suitcase. Quite busy now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, certainly it's like... you can see that the locals come out a bit later than the tourists. So when you're here earlier, you see more tourists. And as the night progresses, it gets much more local. I think you do have to have had a few rums to get into the uh, gyrating uh, spirit of the local dancers. I have had a few rums, but probably not enough yet. I'm gyrating on the inside. People were doing this in England. It'd be Gillingham Town Centre on a Friday night. It'd be absolutely horrific. But here, this, this is how you do a Friday night street party. So as you've heard, we've had a barrel of laughs <laughs> and almost a barrel of rum. <clears throat> to start planning your Caribbean foodie getaway, head to stlucia.org and tune in to our next episode where we'll be bathing in forests and sulphur pools as we explore the wellness and relaxation options on this tranquil Caribbean island. You've been listening to John and Antonia Take on the World, St Lucia. It was an unusual podcast brought to you by the St Lucia Tourism Authority.